When you drive a vehicle so reliable it's backed by a 10-year, 100,000-mile limited warranty, you stop thinking about what you can't do and start doing what you never thought possible. Visit your local Kia dealer today to see what you're capable of in a vehicle that inspires confidence around every corner. Kia. Movement that inspires. Call 800-333-4KIA for details. Always drive safely. Limited inventory available. Warranties include 10-year, 100,000-mile powertrain and 5-year, 60,000-mile basic. Warranties are limited. See retailer for details. It's time for the Hadit.com radio show. Hadit.com radio is an in-depth look at all things VA. If you need help with the VA, log on to Hadit.com. Now, here's your host, Gerald Cook. Welcome, ladies and gentlemen, to the Hadit.com uh, podcast on this uh, 18th day of November, 2014. We're here with our co-host, Jay Basser, and um, hopefully Stretch, our technician, will will check in here uh, directly. And uh, by golly, how, how you doing today, John? You, you staying thawed out up there in Kentucky? Buddy, I want to tell you something. It's done froze over here. I mean, it's, uh, I don't think we've been above 20 degrees all day, and it's cold out there. Yeah, we're, this is we're eight, eight. The normal temperature this year is close to 60 degrees, and... <laughs> <laughs> I like to yeah, shout out to We're setting records here in Missouri too. Uh, yeah, we've so, got them coming tonight. I want to send a shout out to Mr. Al Gore and his global warming campaign. Yeah. Thank you, Al Gore. Uh, by golly. If it wasn't for you, we wouldn't have global warming. Uh, we wouldn't be happy. We wouldn't have a radio show. <laughs> wouldn't for me either. <laughs> but uh, uh, we, we're so sure glad you support it. So uh, I imagine you made millions of dollars on it. I hope you paid your taxes like a good citizen. Of course he did. Now this is a basher show. Uh, we uh, kind of a sudden show we decided to do. Um, Want to discuss a few issues uh, going on in the world today? Uh, didn't want to bring in the light that uh, Navy folks or military folks uh, keep an eye on this uh, situation involving the uh, maintenance and repairs of our Navy ships because it seems to me like something's lacking and the repairs aren't getting done and these ships are having to extend their, their deployment and the repairs are not done correctly. We've had a submarine stuck in Guam now for months and uh, they finally decided to, of course it's not uh, it's not a stoppage problem, it's just uh, it's got a little leak or something in it, but it's uh, small, they had to find it, but uh, things like they're going to have to take it to Hawaii to get it fixed. You see that story, Jim? Yes, I did, and you know yeah. you brought up a good point there, John, because, uh, you know, it's always pertinent for the American uh, United States to keep its military up to snuff. You know, uh, we have to be on top of things. We have to have our military on top of things, first and foremost, and uh, we should have learned that uh, from Pearl Harbor and and other incidents 
that have taken place uh, to let our any phase of our military fall behind for lack of funding or whatever is inexcusable. I mean, there's just no accepted acceptable excuse for doing so. Uh, and right now, the state of the world, uh, we certainly need our Navy up in tip-top shape. I second that motion, Gerald. We need to need to find out what's going on with the situation. You know, I guess funding's cut or something. That's a result of the sequester, the sequester, sequester stuff that's been going on the last couple of years. And that, that situation is not just one party. Everybody's at fault in that situation. So that's got to be worked out, and we've got to have a strong Navy. And uh, we can't cut a military down to 500,000 troops. That's, uh, you know, we've got to... Uh, we've got a population of, uh, you know, pushing 300 million. So, uh, you know, five, 500,000 is a drop in the bucket, you know what I mean, as far as, you know, people defend the country. Uh, I, I quite agree, John. Um, I think we have to have our military in accordance with what the militaries in other countries are doing. Uh, for instance, uh, how many's in the China military? How many's in Russia's military? Uh, we have to be along those same lines, or, or we're opening the, open the door for for uh, uh, some some uh, life-changing events uh, if we don't keep our military up to snuff and. Look at look at the numbers game, Gerald. I mean, you got three hundred million people, right? Yeah. So, and you got five hundred thousand military members. What's that percentage? You know, ten percent of three hundred million is thirty million. So one percent's one percent's three million. Yeah. So I support a one percent rule. You know, we could have three million in our military. You know, that that's something that's needed. You know, I mean, they can and uh, they can they can find something for them to do. Absolutely, and and you know, <clears throat> before they used to utilize National Guard uh, quite wisely. Uh, I don't believe they should have been using National Guard overseas in uh, uh, regular combat situations such as they have. I believe it should have been regular army or regular military. Uh, yeah, it's been raised military, the National Guard. Yeah. I see a lot of but, guys in the National Guard that were over there are actually filing claims. Well, yes, so, they are. You and, know, uh, and of course, they are not too well with those claims. Uh, no, uh, but I did see where uh, I guess they're doing something with these burn pits now and these chemicals that the folks were exposed to in Iraq. Yeah, that's finally been recognized. So that's a that's a good thing. That is and, a good uh, thing, but they're trying to narrow the numbers down. Uh, mm-hmm. uh, yeah, I, I believe do that, I read but... somewhere where they claim, well, there was only seventeen. Mm-hmm. After all, there was more than seventeen, and uh, mm-hmm. they come back. Uh, no, no, that ain't right. Uh, they need to uh, 
take care of each and every one of them that was exposed to uh, those chemicals. And mm-hmm. they can't come up and say, well, uh, we don't have too many complaints, blah, blah, blah. And, and uh, well, sometimes it takes an ailment 10, 15, 20, even 30 years to manifest itself. Uh, if yeah. nothing else, they, anyone in the area should be put on a roster. And, uh, yes. and uh, should they happen to come up, come forth here in 20 or 30 years and they start having respiratory problems, heart problems, and what have you, uh, then uh, they shouldn't have to be put in a position approving every little bitty thing that the, the VA wants. Uh, I would like to see an across-the-board issue. Um, I think it can be done. It has to be done, you know, out of... It has to be done in the Congress and the House and in the, in, in the Senate, but I would like to see a bill that any U.S. veteran uh, that has been exposed to any chemicals, especially like, you know, in your situation with Project 112 and anything that exposes or that that does expose our troops to chemicals, whether it be chemical, whether it be BXGB or mustard gas or Agent White or Agent Blue or whatever, you know, or Agent Orange, uh, <clears throat> I'd like to see the presumptive extended to all those veterans because they were exposed and the reason they were exposed was because they did not have a choice as far as their exposure. Of course, they might have volunteered for some projects, but they weren't given the full scope of what was going to happen to them. That's exactly and, uh, right. Uh, I think it, they ought to have a have a, a roster for everyone. Uh, that should be a, a, a part of the um, uh, service a military uh, individuals' record to what agents they were exposed to while in the service, whether it be uh, jet fuel, uh, cleaning solvents, or anything mm-hmm. such as that. Uh, I want to go one step further. Yeah. I want to go one step further. Let's. I want to keep it. <laughs> In line now, insecticides are a big issue too. I'll explain. Some, I'll, I'll I'll give you a story about that in a few minutes. But uh, yeah. any person exposed to the chemical agents, you know, VX and GB, they really can't do too much research on them because all the test subjects didn't live very long. But they didn't That's have true. any test information as to the amount, like minute amounts of like VX and what it does. You know, very small amounts as far as long term exposure. And uh, because those things are pretty, you know, they're pretty raunchy stuff. But, you know, there's a few folks that have been exposed to low doses like that, and, you know, you're living proof of that. So uh, there's another issue I want to bring up. Uh, there's, since the 1900s or, and later, you know, that since I started using this as best of stuff, this insulation and this heat control, on board these Navy ships and, and, and things like that, you know, and the, and even the Air Force and Army use it too in their, you know, on their steam lines. Uh, a lot of a lot of soldiers and a lot of sailors were exposed to asbestos. Uh, 
And, uh, you know, you see them uh, all the time. They'll service connect it, but, you know, you just about have to prove you ate it or something like that in order to get service connection. And uh, it's kind of like this. If you were in the service and you had a whole technician rating, one of the jobs that the whole technicians actually did besides welding and pipe fitting was insulation. They were laggers. And these guys were the ones that actually took on the insulation and took it off, you know, and and ripped out that asbestos. And I think those guys, you know, it's in, it's in your service records what you did. Those guys need to have a presumptive for asbestos exposure. Absolutely. And, and uh, that's... Uh, you know, and I don't care what branch of service you were in, if if uh, uh, if you were in the service prior to uh, what the 1975 or when did they? I would uh, say 1978. 1978. That's yeah. yeah. But the problem is, especially the Navy, even though you were in service after 1978. You know, look at the history of these ships. These ships didn't have as best removed on them. They they still, you know, they most of them, you know, were decommissioned and and and, and tore up or, or scrapped. They still had yes. asbestos on them. They didn't rip all. They didn't take all these asbestos out of the ships. No, they and, didn't. Uh, you, know, you know, I know some boats they did, and you know the newer class submarines and things like that didn't have it on there. But you know, I think the first ships I know that didn't have it was just. The USS McKee, which is AS forty one, which is in, I think it was it was commissioned in nineteen eighty. Yeah. And, uh, so, so that issue we right have there, a you know, potential I mean, out there of of uh, my lands. How many uh, veterans that uh, uh, are sitting on a on a Pandora's box, that thing could open up at any time in them. You know, uh, well, there, there's ships out there now today. There's ships out there today that still have asbestos on it. I suspect there is. Yeah. yeah. You know, but you still got some ships that are active. That you know that are that that, that are that are fairly old. Then every every uh, sh- shipmate on there uh, should be it should be noted in their records that mm-hmm. they are. Uh, uh, that they are uh, uh, on a roster, uh, asbestos roster of some sort. Mm-hmm. And these are the type of uh, presumptive list, you know. And they can, uh, archives have to go through that, you know. The veteran can say what he did, you know. But there's certain rates that actually work, you know, that work with stuff hand in hand. Yes. You know, and uh, a lot of these guys, uh, there's, a, there's a group on board Navy ships called Riggers. And their job is to move heavy equipment back and forth, you know. And uh, a lot of the stuff, a lot of this equipment is too big for the room, so they had to cut outside the wall, you know, and put the equipment in. Yeah. And weld it back. Well, you know, they had to remove pipes and everything else just to get it in and out. So and there are several rates that are involved that actually, you know, that are higher exposure rate, you know, the asbestos than others. But uh, there's all kinds of factors involved, too, you know, as far as, I mean, when I was in the Navy, I've seen some stuff that uh, scared the heck out of me. And uh, you know, I'm not going to name the name of the ship, but I was in the reserves. I went on a cruiser, and they were in the shipyard doing an overhaul. Yeah. And I went down to the engine room, man, and I tell you what, 
I turned around and got out of there to hurry. There's guys all over the place, yard birds, and there's these big steam lines that they were taking apart. There was stuff everywhere. And it was a big mess, and that, you know, I called the alarm on it and uh, discussing stuff, you know, and finally I think they got some stuff worked out, but uh, uh, I wouldn't go down there because it's going to take that place. It'd take that place a long time just to, just to, you know, to be cleaned up. Yeah, how you so gonna it, get that? You'd have to filter that air. I don't know how many times to get all that asbestos out. You have to filter it, but. Uh, Takes a long time. You got to do air sampling and things like that once you once you remove it, yeah. and uh, you know it has to it has to be clean. They have to pay. You know there has to be a certain level in the machines, and uh, that's the worst thing about asbestos. You know, I mean, it's fine in its natural state. You know, if it's got insulation around it and it's got some kind of cover on it, you know, it's fine. But as soon as that insulation is tore or somebody pokes a hole in it, you know, a lot of guys took a a lot of guys in these ships were used the, the steam pipes and stuff as, co- as uh, places for the coal hangers to stick into. Yeah. And, uh, you know, and every time they did it, they put a little bit of asbestos in the air. So once it gets airborne, you know, it's and it, everybody's open to get it. You breathe it in, there's just no way to get rid of it. Yeah, they got them little barbs. Yeah, yep. they got them barbs and they hook in your lungs. I- I guess they can get in your digestive tract and uh, anywhere, yes. Yeah. Yes, they can. Uh, so, uh, yeah, they they their name should be attached to a roster, and yep. uh, should they start having issues later on in years, then uh, they say, well, yeah, you was yeah here we have it where. You, you were exposed to asbestos. Otherwise, a poor veteran, you know yourself what a veteran's got to go through to try to prove exposure to anything. Well, asbestos use in the military, you know, I mean, you've had it, uh, you know, the Army had it over steam pipes and things like that, and even if they had boilers, you know, they had pads and things like that to cover the boilers up. Uh, The use in the Navy was ridiculous. I mean, they had it in steam pipes, um, even the, <clears throat> the decks directly above, like they say, the fire room, engine room, yeah. and the boiler room, those decks were metal decks, and they'd put a layer of asbestos on top of that, and then put a screen down, and then put flooring on top of that. Oh, boy. And uh, any type of, they even used for soundproofing, you know, so it was a very wide usage of asbestos, you know, that they use in the Navy. And uh, these ships are loaded with it and the only way to actually you know of course as long as it was not disturbed it was okay but you know on the average average daily life on the ship especially out to sea job's got to get done it's got to get done you know what i mean yeah you know so i mean it's uh it's pretty cool i mean it's a uh, sub safe had even had a uh uh it even had a what do you call it, a packet that you know you do to take insulation and things like that out of the sub and fix stuff. Of course, SubSafe is probably the best program ever invented as far as quality assurance. But uh, you know, we thought it was a hassle at the time, but now you understand why it was. Yeah, I can certainly see that. Yeah. So, uh, but I like to see a list like that, you know. And uh, of course, they don't, you know, they don't really. Um, 
they don't prioritize anything anymore, you know, because it's a numbers game. It turns into a numbers game because you look at the number exposed to Agent Orange and look at the number exposed to GB and BX, especially in Project 112 and the SHAD test, you know. They've got it broke down pretty good, the ships involved and the personnel involved. And unfortunately, those folks that were involved, there's very few of them left. Yeah, they're few and far between now, and uh, even the ones left, the BA still don't want to own up to any exposure issues. Uh, Now, uh, you know, if that's the way they want to treat their military, then so be it, but let it be known that uh, should you become injured or or, uh, exposed to some harmful agents out there, you might not be compensated for it. Uh, Then they they ought to let that be known up front. That way maybe so many people wouldn't be doing it. Now, that's true, and also you have to look at, too, the proof of exposure. They want you to prove you was exposed. And that's they the have biggest all issue. the records. Yeah, and they have yes. control of all the paperwork. So yeah. a poor veteran, you know, you're really in the world of hurt if you're trying to prove some kind of exposure uh, because of the, the VA controls or DOD and the VA controls all the the paperwork mm-hmm. that's, that you need. And... And uh, uh, you just can't get your hands on it. When you I tell you a good it, one. Go ahead. I tell you, when we were, uh, now we didn't have a choice either. It was, you know, we, here's your job, here's what you're going to do, and we're going to send you here and here and here for this class and that class, and you're going to learn how to do this job, and you're going to qualify. Well, we got our best of stuff. We had to go through classes and things like that and learn about the dangers and how to identify it and how to sample it and test it and everything. And, uh, you know, they knew back then how dangerous it was. And we had to go through testing. We had to, give a, we had to get a, a eye test done and a breathing test every year, a pulmonary function test, PFT. And <clears throat> when you had those tests... They would put the results in your service record. Then they would take a big old stamp. You know how you got tabs on the on the index on your records? Yeah. The outside of that the outside of that folder had a big old black stamp asbestos on it. And uh it's kinda weird, you know, because uh I had a C and P exam done years and years ago for some other issues and they finally took them six or seven years to find my records and get things straightened out and they finally got them. I went to this CMP exam and I had both the, both records there and it was a pretty big pretty big file. But I pulled up that service record or that medical SMR and uh, me and the doctor looked at it and sure enough that stamp was still there. Huh. It was still there. And you know it's hard to prove that you did anything, uh, you know that, you, that what jobs you did. But I want to recommend something to everybody that's still in service. And if you're still in service and haven't got out yet, do me a favor. You know, if you've got issues later on in life, you're going to need some information in order to help get service next for some of these issues, especially exposure issues. You need to make sure that you get a copy of every enlisted performance evaluation you've ever had. Front and back, both sides. You keep that... And you get that either electronic copy or you get the actual hard copy. 
and you keep that someplace safe. Because a lot of that stuff disappears from the service record. I don't know why it does, but it does. Fortunately, I had all my copies here at the house when I found them and found everything when they were asking me about proving this and that. And if you've got a copy of that, it tells you, it's a kind of, it kind of gives them a play-by-play of what you did in service. You know, during this period of time, here's what Billy Bob did, you know. Then here's the next period of time. You follow me, Gerald? Yes, absolutely. That's very important, folks, especially if you're going to file a VA claim. You may not have intentions to file one now, but I want to tell you something. Later on in life, you might. You absolutely. Uh, right. Because that, uh, some of these ailments, it takes 20, 30 years for them to manifest, even longer, you know. And asbestosis yeah, uh, is one of them. And by the time you realize, hey, something's astray here, and uh, here you end up with uh, asbestosis, uh, you're in a world of hurt. You can't go back yes, and prove that you was a, that you you was uh, uh, exposed in the service. Yes, sir. And exposure is a big issue. Especially, you know, in, you know that's a hard. That's one of the major, you know, parts of the claims. Uh, there's Agent Orange vets out there that still don't have a have a clue of what's going on or, or service connected. Uh, but I feel bad because uh, I've always often wondered how many poor veterans have died, you know, as a result of this stuff and, and never had a chance to file a claim. Never you know, even knew. Uh, the never facts. had. Yeah, didn't have an idea. How many widows out there suffered, you know, raising kids and things like that back in the 70s and 80s that uh, their their husbands died of uh, off-the-wall crazy cancers and things like that that, as a result of their Vietnam exposure? Yeah, I think more than we can believe. I think it's tragic, Gerald. It's a disaster, and it shouldn't be because... Mm -hmm. You know, uh, back when I was in service, they still had the draft. Uh, yes. But, but uh, uh, you know, when they were called, they still went and served. And mm-hmm. uh, that's no way to treat someone. Uh, I think the politicians need to help us out. You know, well, if all, it'd be nice if politicians yeah. would step up to the plate and say, hey, you know, you guys have not treated our veterans right. I mean, we got sick veterans out here that just are in a terrible mess. Some of them are homeless. Some of them, their families are homeless. Some of them died on park benches. They have. And uh, why is that? Because the VA says, well, I, I, we don't know how you got that cancer or... or uh, didn't happen in the service. <laughs> you didn't go on sick call when you when I was in the service. Boy, that was a, a no no. You don't go on sick call. You better have a leg cut off or something. I ran into a guy at Lowe's the other day. I was looking for some stuff for the house and uh, seen his hat it says U.S. Marines on it. And he was he was probably in his sixties. Got to talk to him. I said, "Hey, then, buddy, thank you for your service." You know, we talking. I have a Navy hat on. We was talking, discussing back and forth, and. I said he's from another. He moved here from Tennessee, and uh, we were talking about uh, you know things. And I said, "Do you go to the VA?" And he said, "Yeah, I go to the VA." I said, "Taking care of you?" He said, "Yeah, they're doing pretty good." He said, uh, 
You know, they said, I had a heart attack here last year, and they treated me and took care of me. I said, really? I said, you had your heart attack? He said, yeah. I said, they service connected? He said, well, he said, no. I said, well, were you in Vietnam? Were you actually in country? He said, yeah, I did three tours. Oh, my. And I said, uh, and you had a heart attack, and nobody offered us to help you. He said, what do you mean? I said, nobody offered to help you get that service connected, even though you had a heart attack and you spent three tours in Vietnam. He said, no. I said, well, you need to march yourself down back to the VA and go down and sit down with the service officer and file you a claim, buddy. That's a presumptive condition. If it's ischemic heart disease, did you have a blockage? He said, yeah. He said, I had, uh, he had like a 99% blockage in one of his mains. I said, no, that's, to me, it's ischemic heart disease. I said, I might be wrong, but you need to get your paperwork and go, fit, go file your claim. And uh, he said, well, he said, I guess I'll have to do that. Of course, I didn't, you know, we didn't follow up with him. I'm sure he did. But he had no idea, Gerald, no idea whatsoever. Most of them don't. The VA is, uh, unfortunately, um they neglect to inform their veterans uh, of these issues, and uh, oh, they might have the information somewhere. But you know, yep. that, uh, somebody out here been working all their life and this and that. They, they don't know. They don't have a clue where to go look for all this information. Well, the VA is that... certainly not going to notify them. I think that lies on the V8 itself, because there is a word, and I want to tell you how important this word is, okay, within the parameters of the VA. It's called Veterans Outreach. And that means they're supposed to reach out and inform veterans of benefits they may be entitled to. Well, that's you know, something so. I've never got. You know, I think, every, you know, of course, now they've got this agent orange screening and things like that, you know. That a lot of these folks have no idea what it is, you know. They don't go to the VA a couple times a year. And, uh, you know, and it's, if you've got other insurance and stuff like that, you know, uh, it's, you know, you hardly ever go to the VA, so you don't know, you know. And I think you need to reach out to this veteran and say, hey, you know, you were in service during this period of time, and we see that you've had service in Vietnam. You know, please come in and let us screen you. You know, let's outreach and help these veterans, but, you know, they don't want to volunteer to do that because I guess it's going to cost money. I don't know what, what's going on with that. Uh, yeah, and, you know, they know where these veterans are. I'll have this yeah. contact the IRS and say, hey, we need to get a hold of John Brown over there. Uh, yeah. He was in, in country in Vietnam and... Uh, uh, we want to be certain he's he he's aware of, of the benefits that he might might be available to him, and he should uh, at least uh, get on the Agent Orange registry. Uh, so and they got a lot of older vets that we know are in the country, and you know they retire from the military, and uh, they've got issues. And yes. back in the day, before this current receipt stuff, it was either you take your VA money or your retirement money. Most of them do want to get the retirement money up. You know, now they got concurrent receipt. I think that needs to go back myself and these other folks that uh, you know 
that were uh, that were that were basically screwed over because of that issue, you know, concurrent receipt back in the day. Yeah. And let them get their full benefits. And then you see people in Congress come up and say, "Well, this veteran's drawing VA money and Social Security. We got to stop one of them." You know. You see that issue a couple weeks ago. Yes, I did. That's sad. Yeah. Uh, so you see the folks like that. See, they're, it's a numbers game to them. We're not people. We're numbers. And they're looking at everything as, as a different aspect ratio because, you know, once you become a number, you're not a human being no more, you know, and they start cutting the numbers. That's the same issue as uh, as, uh, as as this maintenance stuff on these ships, you know, because they either got something wrong with the scheduling of the money because of the numbers issue, there's you know they don't realize there's actually people involved, and our readiness is our readiness is lacking because of that. So you look at the whole well, picture. Yeah, you paid Social Security in all your life. Even if you was in the military, you paid Social Security. So That's right, you did. You're entitled to Social Security and compensation or retirement. I tell you something else that gets me as a federal employee. If you say if you work at the VA and you say you have to move these patients around, you know, and you've got some pretty hefty patients in there, and say you have to move one weighs about four hundred pounds from a bed to a table or something like that, and you hurt your back and you're really bad shape, and you go out on disability retirement from FERS or from the federal government, they offset your Social Security with your federal retirement. And you pay both of them in. That shouldn't be allowed. That needs no. to be fixed. Because, I mean, that's a pretty bad situation. And it takes, I tell you what, folks, we'll do a show one day on this federal retirement stuff because after having witnessed this thing firsthand, I want to tell you something. You think the VA's bad? Well, I'll show you something worse. You know, that's needs to bother the limelight, too. Of course, there's a lot of veterans that have to go through the same thing, you know, if you work for the VA and, or if any federal agency and your service-connected disabilities come in and put you out of work, then, you know, that's the same issue. Yeah. But it's it's ugly. We'll, we'll do a bachelor show on that one of these days, and uh, I'll get some information together, and we'll really lighten it up. And uh, I might even bring on uh, one of the Harris folks from Harris Law and have him have them give us some information about, you know, success rates and times and things like that. I'm, they're pretty good people. But they're nationwide, yeah. and they really help out. So i uh, going to do a quick update. Dr. Bash is going to come on in a couple of weeks, and he's got some new information on mental health. And he's got some new some new helpers, too, on his mental health claims and things like that. And uh, I've got a question out to him now about uh, the VA's rule that Mental health has to be diagnosed by a provider or by the VA, and it cannot get an IMO based on mental health without having it from the VA. And uh, that's kind of a log jam thrown in the creek, you know, to, to block anybody from getting an independent medical opinion on, you know, on, on mental health issues. Well, they're entitled to IMO, aren't they, John? No, not according to the VA. They're not. It has to be. A, it has to be. If it's outside the VA, it has to be your treating physician. That's oh, my understanding. Yeah, you cannot just go get an IMO, and the, the, they, what they'll do is, you can go get one, 
but I think they discount it because it's against their their, their policy. I guess that's what they say. You got to watch them because uh, in order to get a job at the VA in these uh, clerical positions in the regional office, one of their main knowledge, skills, and abilities states you have to be a creative writer, and they put a lot of creative writing in these regulations and rules they impose in the Federal Register. So. Uh, so, I mean, they got, they got a lot of fiction writers out there writing up this crazy stuff, you know what I mean, True. <laughs> oh, that's for sure. Mm, so it's not, uh, you know, the deck stacked against the veteran in any way you want to look at it. They're going to offer you the benefit, but they're going to make it so difficult to get that they hope the veteran will give up in the process. And uh, all too many do, John. Mm, yes, and a all lot of people do. All too many do. Yeah, so... And, uh, or they get in too big a hurry and they get bewildered and just say, oh, I can't take the stress yeah. anymore and walk off. Well, that but, was brought uh, to the forefront. That was brought to the forefront years ago, and then the civilians initiated a a, a, a a retrospect to get these veteran service organizations to help veterans do their claims. And uh, so, you know, some of them were very, very helpful and have a lot of success, and others, you know, they... They're not very successful. It depends on the person doing the actual claim part himself, you know. And it all it all boils down to how much training and things like that and how much they really care, you know, as far as uh, helping the veterans out. I mean, you know, they don't really have much incentive to do it, but, you know, they do what they can do. That's why we always recommend that once you get past the first denial stage, uh, it, it's better to go ahead and have have some professional representation look at your claim and see and, and give you an, give you an idea of what the aspects are because once it gets past the RO level it becomes legal precedent because it's based on law and uh, you know if you have a good attorney that knows the VA law and can practice VA law then that's that's a different issue because they can argue your claim for you in the appeals process and remember that VA law is structured differently than regular law, and I don't know why it is. That's just how it come about. Yes. But uh, you take special, uh, attorney needs special education uh, in order to be certified in VA law. Mm -hmm. And, uh, it, you know, like any other attorney, it, it, it takes... Uh, uh, a little know-how, and and uh, once they go through the system a few times, uh, they're they're more apt to be able to handle a case. Some of these cases are pretty complex. Well, the more complex your claim is, the more difficult you're going to have with the actual process. And complexity is a very, very, very. Um, negative thing comes to a claim you know if you're going to file a claim you know file your claim but you need to you need to try to educate yourself as to what's wrong with you you know i see veterans going here and they go down and meet with a service officer and the guy says okay what are you going to file a claim on they sit there and they write out three pages of crap yeah you know and so the va much. has to go through they have to adjudicate and get records for everything that you do and you realize, okay, what's it taking so long? Well, you filed 62 issues, you know. So that's uh, probably the reason it's taking too long. So, you know, um, if you have 
major issues that are more or less life-shortening issues, uh, anything like uh, any of the uh, neurological disorders or any heart issue or lung issue, you know, that's precedent because, you know, if you file, if you've got heart issues or whatever and you know it's service-connectable and then you file a hammer toe or you cut yourself, you know, you cut yourself shaving and things like that, that you know is probably going to be zero percent during down the road. There's a, you know, there's a uh, time lapse there because they're going to take as much time as you can that zero percent as zero hundred percent. You follow me, Gerald? Yes, I will. <laughs> that for sure. Yeah. So that costs you a them, lot of time. Yeah. Right. Don't give them a re- don't don't give them reasons to cost you time. You know, get help with your claim. Uh, and before you get help, interview a few folks that, that, that do this. You know, talk to them. Uh, uh, talk to some folks that they've used and things like that. Try to, try to, for yourself and your peace of mind, you know, get, try to get the best bang for your buck because, you know, even though using a VSO is free, you know, Still got the best bang for your buck because you got to figure out, you know, who's gonna who's gonna care about you and your claim. Your claim is your livelihood. You know, you have to reserve all rights to make any final decisions on your claim, and make sure you put it on there when you do that. Because once you sign your uh, POA out, you know they can they can just about decide your claim for you. So yeah, always always bear in mind that you are the person responsible for your claim and your issues. You know, any mistakes made during that process, and you don't catch it, once you sign that POA, it's the same thing as you filing for it. And uh, they can uh, sign the POA over the wrong people. They can they can eliminate half the stuff you file a claim yeah. for. And and, and they my, can. They my, can do. what I've found over the years, you're better off to file. Pick out the main serious thing wrong with you. If, if it's respiratory, go file a claim just for respiratory. If it's your right. heart, uh, file it. File one for just your heart, hypertension, or, or both. Uh, or yeah. Or, yeah. Uh, uh, if you go putting in hangnails or stub my toe when I was in basic or something like mm-hmm. that. Uh, you're just making it hard on yourself. You want yep. this claim to be as simple, uh, keep it simple worded, uh, and uh, simple as possible. Yes, keep it so, simple. So, uh, and and don't make a complex claim out of it. Uh, that uh, that happened to me, and it cost you years. Cost you years and time. Uh, yeah, let me uh, some of these, help you there. Don't give them ahead. the opportunity to. Don't give them the opportunity to extend your claim out. Because once given that opportunity, I believe they're going to take full advantage of it. Don't you think, Gerald? <laughs> yeah, they always do. Uh, yeah, and and now they have this uh, fully developed claim thing. Which I have heard of a, a few being successful with that, but on the average, as a rule, it reverts back to a standard claim. But uh, 
Uh, even at that, I think it's a good way to start off. Uh, try to go with a fully developed claim if you can. Well, on a positive note, the new VA secretary has promised that they're going to get this stuff under control. And, uh, of course, the jury's still out, but I believe he's got some very good intentions, and he's going to have to make some changes in his structure, organizational structure, and, and get his things implemented in order to get this thing straightened out because, you know, there's problems in both areas, you know, in the VHA and the VBA itself. The VHA right now is in the limelight because of all the problems they had in Phoenix and other places where the people were trying to manipulate and change the scheduling process in order to show that they veterans were seen in time in order to, uh, you know, look good on the paper so they can get their bonus money. As the veterans were back there, you know, not getting their appointments and coming to the VA, and some of them even dying, not seeing, the, you know, the doctors and stuff. So um, that's something that uh, hopefully he can take care of and maybe fix that area and try to fix. The VBA also needs to be fixed. Uh, a lot of folks there that, uh, you know, it don't matter what your evidence say, you know, they're going to deny your claim. That's just a issue. I've seen folks like that, not on the VA, but there's folks like that in the Social Security system and the, and the federal retirement system. I've seen the same type of folks in all three areas. And uh, so hopefully they'll weed these people out and get things done. Uh, you know, only time will tell. And we'll. I'm sure we'll do more than one show about the progress as we get down the road, Gerald. <laughs> Yeah, and, you know, we got our fingers crossed. We're hoping uh, the best for uh, for Mr. McDonald. Uh, yes. And uh, Bob McDonald, that's his name. Yes. And, now, and uh, some folks, I, go ahead. I'd like to see him uh, do something beneficial here, today, especially in the claims process. Well, I mean, the VA needs help all the way through, but. Uh, the claims right. process is really a hurting uh, uh, because we have so many veterans out here sitting in limbo, uh, not knowing what to do, what to expect. Uh, yeah. Well, uh, I'm sure I'm sure Bob will do a pretty good job. I've, I've got faith in the guy. You know, I mean, Parker and Gamble's a good company and things like that. You know, they've been successful and they've had a lot of good issues. So. But remember, uh, Bob McDonald uh, probably will lose his job in two years when uh, uh, when the, the political structure of the country changes again. Uh, that's when they that usually change happen. and bring it. Yeah. Yeah. Well, but, anytime uh, you know you're, you're an appointee like that, you know it's going to change because yeah. the new guy's going to want his new people in there, you know, and things like that. So. Uh, but, uh, I'm hoping folks, that should... he will make some progress. So. We got to have better controls than this, folks, because it should never got that bad in the first place. Uh, the whistleblowers came out and okay, and they started blowing the whistle, but nobody would listen to them. These guys were retaliated against, which is basically against the law to do that. And they were uh, a lot of them, most of them, a lot of them lost their jobs and got some ser- pretty serious trouble. And uh, this all started in California with a young lady that uh, tried to award a veteran, and she lost her job because. You remember that story, Gerald? Yeah. Yeah, I haven't that seen the follow-up story. Yeah, it's quite a deal, you know. So, uh, you know, it's it's not very good publicity for the stuff that's in the limelight, you know. But it does give the public a view of actually what's going on within the VA. And people watch these news stories and stuff and say, wow, that's what's going on, you know. And people are aware of it. I mean, I've had people approach me. 
force saying, man, they really do that stuff? And I said, yes, sir, they did do it. You know, and uh, so they want to know for more information about it. You know, we put them on the site and let them read the articles and the news articles that comes out about it. So um, it is what it is, folks. I was reading where a guy moved from Tennessee to Colorado. Uh, oh, yeah, that, yeah, yeah. He was wanting that uh, medical, medical marijuana, marijuana. because yeah. he had seizures and and uh, many strokes and what happened, mm-hmm. you know, what have you. Uh, and uh, he went up there and and the BA took his check away. So they did. He he was getting uh, evidently. Uh, he must have been a hundred percent PTSD. Yeah. Uh, he had served three tours, two or three tours in Iraq or Middle East. Yeah, he went only reevaluated him in Colorado. And they and evaluated him up there and took it away. Something to do with the caregiver program too, wasn't it, Joe? Yes, caregiver. Yeah. He had caregiver. Yeah, they took uh, that away from him too. Uh, heck, he lost it all. Uh, so he, of course, he's fighting it. But yeah. he, you know, how long will it take him to get that restored? You know, he could be in real pickle up there. Well, you know, that's uh, that brings new meaning to the term Rocky Mountain High now, doesn't it? <laughs> yeah, it does at that. Uh, so if you want to go smoke legally, head over to Denver and down, down into Colorado and smoke yourself up, yeah. you know. It, so, uh, you know, I I don't know what he told them up there, but boy, it must Yeah, but I want to tell you the truth, Gerald, even though that uh, VA and stuff in Colorado, you know, a dude moved there so he could uh, talk and smoke and get rid of his seizures and help him out a little bit there, you still have to realize that VA is federal property, right? That's right. And, and it's still uh, against the law, so it's they don't look at law. it. Like, yeah, they don't look at it under state law. They look at it under federal law. They, you know, that's the way. It, so, that's the way it always will be. <laughs> he stuck up there with his family, uh, his wife, and I think two kids. Yep. I'm wondering what to do next, and uh, boy, that's a, that's a real bummer. I, I don't know. He must not have checked into it. Before you move from one state to another or from one BA uh, district to another district, uh, be sure to check uh, because, believe it or not, folks, they're all not the same. <laughs> and, of course, yeah, uh, uh, pot has not been legal uh, federally, uh, so uh, he should have took that in consideration. So I don't know. I think he goofed himself up. Hello. I can't. I'm in the show uh, right now. Anyway. Uh, I'm in the show. Folks, uh, think about right. it before you change locations. Uh, uh, be sure to Think check about it, it folks. Uh, <clears throat> think about it. As long as you're you within move. the same district, you're probably all right, but. Anytime you move or change locations, any reason you give the VA, no matter if you're 100% P or T or not, any reason you give them to open your claims folder back up, they'll be glad to do it. You can believe that. Don't give them a reason. 
that is rule number one. Don't give them a reason. Uh, uh, of course, uh, you know, that's not to say you can't file for... You have to go with me. You can't go with me. Get out of here. Where are you going? House, house I want to tell you something. That don't soak your bed. Okay. Uh, at least that way, you know what in the world's going to... Uh, you're facing. Stay in the district you're in. <laughs> That's, unless it's an emergency, you ain't got no options. you got to move. Sure, um, let's... Uh, Take a minute. I'm gonna to have to end this show early. I got an issue just arose that I can't get out of. Okay. So, uh, uh, guys, thanks for listening to the show today. Uh, we'll, uh, we're gonna have a regular SVR show Thursday, probably Thursday afternoon. Uh, we don't have a guest scheduled yet, but we're trying to get somebody. If not, we'll have another issue, and we'll just continue some more discussion. So, uh, uh, with that, that'll be uh, Jay Basher and the Basher Show. Well, thank you guys for listening, and we'll see you again on the next Basher Show. Thanks for coming on, Gerald. Okay, thanks a lot, John. All right. Bye. It is Ryan here, and I have a question for you. What do you do when you win? Like, are you a fist pumper? A woohooer, a hand clapper, a high fiver. I kind of like the high five, but if you want to hone in on those winning moves, check out Chumba Casino. At chumbacasino.com, choose from hundreds of social casino style games for your chance to redeem serious cash prizes. There are new game releases weekly, plus free daily bonuses. So don't wait. Start having the most fun ever at chumbacasino.com. No purchase necessary. DTW, void, we're prohibited by law. See terms and conditions 18 plus. With lucky landslots, you can get lucky just about anywhere. Dearly beloved, we are gathered here today. Has anyone seen the bride and groom? Sorry, sorry, we're here. We were getting lucky in the limo and we lost track of time. No, Lucky Land Casino, with cash prizes that add up quicker than a guest registry. In that case, I pronounce you lucky. Play for free at LuckyLandSlots.com. Daily bonuses are waiting. No purchase necessary. Void were prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details.